describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. James. I'm Dan. And where are we from today, Dan? Well, well, we have there's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is we're still in the abyss. But the good news is, I think this is good news. Yes. We 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 found a, an an exit to layer 66. That's right. We took an off ramp. We took an off ramp. What would that what would that ramp say, do you think? Is it just like to layer get, 66? Get your kicks on layer 66? I don't know. I think no. that's a song. <laughs> Route 66. That's that right. Route 66? That was Route 66. So we've taken roots. So we're, we're in the 66th layer, um, layer of the abyss. I'm very excited to see what's here. We decided right. to just take it. Let's, let's see. And we actually, as you came down, there's a big sign. Welcome to the queen of the demon web pits. Um, right. Very inviting. Very inviting. Uh, <laughs> then abandon all hope, ye who enter here is right after it, but... It's in much smaller letters. It's not as uh, pronounced. So. And then the problem is you're going down the ramp. You can't just back up. Right. There's people coming at you, so it's like you just got to keep going. <laughs> exactly. So, so here we are, layer 66 for the 66th episode. Right. This is the 66th episode, so we're going to talk about um, all things 66, which is, you know, if, if our warning was not pertinent, it's pertinent today, right? Demons, yeah. loathe, sacrifice, and he's wearing, look this, at that. No, no, nothing says warning like this, right? And so for those who are listening, it's, it's a picture of Errol Otis's, his, his famous picture uh, from Vault of the Drow, right? Where a sacrifice to loathe. Yes. And it's also in um, this other book that we're celebrating today. The Deities and Demigod. That's absolutely right. That's right. So it's, it's on uh, page... 92 of the modified deities and demigods. And let's see if I can get a better picture of it. There it is. Yeah, well, it's not that great for those who are watching at home. So oh, that's probably better if I did it like that. So now, do you have do you have the now the Call of Cthulhu right. removed was removed from this is the, he did, the, the removed one. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, because because so you don't have to apologize. Not everyone can have those kind of funds. So maybe you can use some patron money to buy the 144 pager. Right. Uh, I'm 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 quite okay not having them. I can just go online and see that. So don't say that. Errol Otis is on the show today. It's terrible. We wouldn't do that. 
I bought one. I have a legitimate one. I'm just not going to pay. Well, he. I don't think he'd be interested in that because it's copyright. I mean, the the. It's not like. It's not like a license where, like, with Microsoft, where you get like five different things or whatever, right? Five users. <laughs> well, and and if he's still getting money for it, then I'll be happy to to buy go out. And I think. Oh, you know, he's, he's surely not, don't you think? <laughs> you think right. Wizards is sending him a check? We'll uh, ask him that. Yeah, I think that should be the first thing. Hi, welcome to Grog Talk. Are you still getting money from Wizards of the Coast? How much is it? Does it come <laughs> monthly? Wow, you know, what does it uh, do yeah. there? So. What we're talking about, if you didn't notice, too, is we're very excited. We talked to the one, the only, Errol Otis, who is going to be on with us at 5 o'clock um, our time, Eastern Standard Time. He's, he's on the west coast of the United States for all our listeners throughout the world. Again, um, we're super excited. I mean, you, you know, we, we're, we're giddy that he's going to be on. So we're looking forward to that. But the shenanigans must go on. Um, we got people joining. Welcome. Uh, we have our Sarah Standing Sword of Oakland, and uh, yes, well, we are we are very excited about Errol or Errol Errol. I think in the um, I was trying to see how it was pronounced because I don't you know I know a lot of people were saying Errol and all kinds of things. It's 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 a Turkish it's name. Yeah, I'm pretty Errol. sure it's, it's Errol Errol Otis, right? Yeah, but if I think in the uh, I don't know if it's the original Turkish, but I was trying to go online and seeing it's. Errol, Errol, it's like Errol, almost. Um, wow. Your, your research for this interview is rivaling mine. <laughs> well, I didn't <laughs> want to call him Errol and he go, what are, That's you, true. What are you doing? You better get that right. What are you doing? Yeah. The interview's over. <laughs> the interview that lasted five seconds. <laughs> Click. That we would be it. famous, though. That's right. The, the interviews who did horrible, that terrible, yeah. terrible. We're but, like that. We're like the party that dies in the first room and gets zero points in the tournament. That's right. Yeah, exactly. We get no, we get nothing for it. So, all right. Well, folks, let's. Uh, well, we we've got some things we have to go over. Um, Do you have? We, go ahead. You should have the countdown. I know, I'm just interrupting you, which is terrible podcasting. We should have like the Arrowlotus countdown timer in the corner because people are just waiting. We're like the, you know, like this is like the. the we're the opening game. act. We're yeah, the, exactly. We're the pseudo undead opening up for yes. Slayer. You know, exactly. and we're not even the opener. We're the opener to the opener to the opener. We're, o- we're opening for the pseudo undead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're the roadies. That's right. This is the sound check before they come on. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're very excited about having that on. But we've got our normal shenanigans we have to go through. So, uh, as we've said, GrogCon is definitely delayed till next year. Um, but um, if you want to play D&D, we have the Grognards Guild Online. Uh, Defenders, Protectors of the Realm, DM Brian, He's he was playing last night when I was talking to Errol getting ready for uh, for the show. Uh, DM Josh is running, and Josh has been very gracious. He, he knew that my uh, the local Borderlands campaign had uh, blown up. I uh, offered to run a game for uh, for Nico and I. No, 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 no. It didn't blow up, James. No, it imploded. Oh, no. imploded. You're right. That's true. <laughs> That's right. It did not blow up. Let's be accurate. It, it imploded. So uh, he was uh, gracious enough to do that. But uh, update, Tom... Uh, one of our uh, patrons as well, the, of the Hudson Valley. I should know his title better. He is going to start running at the end of the month. So uh, I will probably be playing with that. But uh, I'd also like to play with DM Josh. So, again, 
if you're having trouble playing with your local friends because of the pandemic or you don't have a 1E group, there are groups that we have. Go to Meetup, uh, Florida, Central Florida Grognards Guild, or just see the links in the description below. Uh, in the show notes here or in the podcast. So um, also starting uh, in September, we're going to have our monthly giveaway. You must be a patron by August 31st to uh, of any level. And, you know, the higher the tier, the more chances you get to win. And so on our first September uh, stream, we will be giving something away, probably uh, either a groggy, a mini groggy that uh, we've gotten from the Scourge of the North or Keep It Blood Red Falls. That's the two things that we are, one of the two things. We may give two things away. We'll see what happens. We're, if we're feeling feisty, right? Indeed. Um, so if you are a patron by August 31st, that you have a chance to win. And um, we also need to get with Carlos from Castle Entertainment and with Jason Elliott and get some prizes from them that we're going to purchase. And they're usually super generous. I'm sure they'll give us some extras and we will give those things away too because of all... You know, we use the patron money to give back to our patrons, basically, and to pay for the website and to take lavish trips. No, we don't do that. No, <laughs> no one's going anywhere. Um, so, again, thank you to those who are spending their hard-earned money during this pandemic to support the show. We know craziness is going on out there in the world, and, and if you're giving your hard-earned money for that, we appreciate it. Um, no reviews. Uh, we do need to go over the Grog Empire, but with my lightning strike here at the Grog Studios and you being out of town, we haven't had a chance. We'll have to catch up on that. And so, Dan, uh, we have a new little figure on our screen. Why don't you introduce our special guest? Absolutely. So uh, in Dragon Magazine, I'm going to start with a little bit of history. Not much. But in Dragon Magazine, May of 1980, Gary Gygax wrote Deities and Demigods is slated for release in August. Your dealer should have it sometime around the 15th of the month, and TSR will have it as a premier release at Gen Con. So in honor of the release of Deities and Demigods, perhaps 40 years ago to the day, along with its iconic cover art, it's our pleasure to welcome to the show the acclaimed fantasy artist, Errol Otis. Errol, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So how does that mean? 40 years ago to mm. the day for that. So ha have you thought at all about that this month, that it was 40 years ago to the day that that iconic cover came out? Um, I, no. But I do think about, uh, in a more general sense, how 40 years and more have passed since, since I was working at TSR. It's quite, quite a long time ago. It was, and what I thought was interesting was, you know, I, I learned a lot about you in prepping for this, is that you, you were so prolific, uh, but you only worked at TSR for two years, right? 79, 80, and 81, but yeah, less than three years. Less uh, than three. From, yeah. Okay, yeah, because it just seemed, you know, knowing how much work you, you did for them, it just it seems like it would have spanned many, many years mm. uh, as opposed to 79 uh, to 81. Uh, but I thought I wanted to ask you, I, so I was looking at Art and Arcana last night, and what it says about you, it says that you're a D&D's surrealist. 
Mm. And, and so I did some research and learned mm. that surrealism is a type of artwork. I, yes. What was your thought? When you were described, there it is, James is holding it up. When you were described as a surrealist, did, did you, do you agree with that? I, I think it, I thought it was cool, um, but I was uh, perhaps in context of D&D artists, uh, I could be described <laughs> that way. But surrealism is, is kind of uh, more uh, than I was, I was, well, you know, Dolly and, and whatnot. Uh, in some ways, I guess I'm a cross between a normal uh, fantasy artist and something else. Yeah, because it wasn't like you were, you weren't doing strange. I mean, you were doing strange shapes, and, and it's sort of hard to describe your work. I think in many respects, but it wasn't like you were doing anything terribly abstract. It was just right. It, it was you were you were painting a dragon. It's not like the dragon had a, a different head on it. Mm-hmm. You could tell it was a dragon, but it was obviously different from from what the other artists were doing at the time. Um, so you, I read an, uh, an interview with you, and you said three things that come to your mind when you're planning and executing art. And I'd love to be. I'd love the opportunity to follow up with you on those. You said the first thing is that the rules the piece itself brings into being are followed. So you wanted the rules the piece itself brings into being are followed. What did you mean when you said I thought it was very interesting. I, I, I was hoping you'd be able to expand a bit on that. Well, well when, you're, when you're making a painting and you use certain textures, certain colors, certain rhythms, um, it it kind of brings into being its its own need to uh, you know carry that I don't know structure is not the right word um, you know in nature when you see trees or blood vessels or whatever you know it's it's I believe it's related to fractals you know there's a certain rhythm to it and you'd know uh, if it was wrong when you were looking at it so there's things that happen. Um, that aren't necessarily about the composition or the content. That's another level of, uh, of rules uh, that happen. And uh, those aren't necessarily planned. They kind of grow uh, based on, you know, the technique and maybe the, the size of things. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a thing that, 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 um, I don't know, uh, it's a little hard to describe, but I, I just tried. <laughs> well, and I also, your second thing you said was you try to entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so tell me, so what, what, what is the joy for you of making a piece of fantasy art? What, 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 what is it that entertains you when you do it? Well, I mean, there's, there's a huge number of things. That's, that's what's so great about it. I mean, um, I, I think one thing is uh, making D&D art, for me, one of the entertaining things is showing kind of uh, what is the gameplay, in a sense. And I know there's many different kinds of gameplay, but one that that wasn't necessarily present in uh, fantasy artwork that isn't related to a game is combat and the results of combat and the process of combat, in other words, death and uh, uh, injury. Um, a lot of 
fantasy artwork and it's it's fine but a lot of it is sort of like something is about to happen but it hasn't really happened yet you know the two foes have met um but they haven't engaged and D is all about that engagement uh, when it comes down to combat it could be long and it may not always go the way of the uh, the adventurers and so there's a danger there and that's that that process is entertaining to me um also, it's there's a lot of humor in D and D that goes side by side with uh, with the horror, and that that combination is is fun uh, and entertaining to me. And, and I mean, if you go on and on, making making things that have never been like original creatures, that is really entertaining to me. Um, that was your third right. At least try to make something that would never otherwise have been made. So I don't know if that would fall within what you just said with the new creatures. Uh, well, that, that yeah, that is not yeah. The new creatures is kind of an easy way to do it, in a sense, you know. Um, uh, yeah, it's something that is it's really hard to do. Making you know making something that's never have otherwise been made. Yeah, and 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 if I could go, I'll go back to the combat. Can you talk about your combat and? You know, I was watching the, the documentary, Eye of the Beholder, and a lot of the artists were saying how they like to do things right before the action happens. And you seem so many, it seems to me, of your iconic drawings are of combat. And, you know, how much of being a role player was in, important in, in drawing the scenes that you were drawing? Because I will tell you, what I love about your combat scenes is, is I want my combat to be that when I play D and D, when I see an Errol Otis combat scene, I want all my combat to be that. H- how much of your playing translated into the combat scenes that you drew? How, how much of it? All of it. All of it. Yeah, we were we were uh, big D and well, you know, we had several groups, but I, I was just in love with D and D. It was like it saved my. <laughs> Saved my life, one might say. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, I had been uh, not necessarily... When I was DMing, I would draw magic items and monsters to show my players to give them. Um, uh, but I hadn't actually done a lot of combat scenes before TSR. Um, but once there, it was, a, it was a great opportunity. I really felt like that was something that was, um, I don't know, not necessarily missing, but not... not uh, Focused on enough, um, yeah. and and let's. I'd like to ask you a little bit about you before arriving at TSR because you grew up in the Bay Area, right? You grew up grew up in in, in the San Francisco area, correct? Yeah, in, in Berkeley. Yeah. In Berkeley, yeah. And you were, and so I noticed that one of the the early works that you did was for the uh, Arduin Grimoire. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it, did you get it? And, and I did a little bit of research on that. And it was very different, it seems to me, than the way a lot of people were doing fantasy campaigns. Uh, and I know and I read up that Gary Perry was unhappy that it was a competitor. And we've even got, I think, a magic item that, that pokes fun at. How was were you playing in uh, David Hargrave's group? I mean, how did you get involved uh, with that? Yeah, we yeah, we. Uh... I and some other friends of mine, we, we joined up with, uh, with Dave's group. Uh, I mean, we had several groups going on at the same time, but yeah, his games, I really liked them. They're very, you know, he took it 
really seriously his, his mythos and everything and it made it feel really um what's uh, well it was it was it was it was cool it was a totally different flavor you know um actually that was where i first encountered i'm pretty sure first encountered uh, undead dragons was in his campaign and then i added an undead dragon as a nod to him in the uh, white plume mountain map the undead dragons had not yet been in D and i guess at some some point later they they found their way in there but uh, yeah uh, Hargrave. It was. It was uh, I think I met one of his players at an, another game, uh, and then uh, I can't. I can't actually remember whether I met him at that game or whether his player invited me to come down. Okay. Uh, but yeah. And oh, you, yeah. So then you know we hung out and uh, played D and D, uh, and you know he might have seen some of the artwork I had uh, given other players as magic items or maybe something on my character sheets. I don't remember actually. Uh, approaching him or soliciting him or even being aware he was going to make a book. Um, but I did end up, you know, I think he might have asked me to do it. Yeah, and, and I was just wondering, since it was such a different flavor, you know, your artwork is so well known for being different. Uh, and, and I was just wondering if you felt that the gameplay style that you were involved in in, in, in California before you went to TSR in any way sort of influenced the way you viewed gaming and then that translated to your artwork? Uh, hmm. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, well, at least, you know, not consciously, I, I felt like we were playing D and D most of the time. Um, straight up. Okay. Um, and he, he, I, you said it's, you felt it saved your life. So it, 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 it Oh, that's an overstatement, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I grew up in Berkeley I went to went to high school in Berkeley, then I started going to Cal, and I knew I wanted to make be an artist, you know. But uh, you know uh, uh, how to do that, you know, how to make a living as an artist, impossible, you know. So I, uh, my parents were, you know, uh, wanting me to uh, do something. You know, they're saying, ah, maybe architecture. So at Cal, you know, I was studying environmental design, and it was dawning on me that. I wasn't going to be able to do. <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to do this. This was killing me, you know. So when uh, when uh, I got a call from Dave Sutherland, that was like a dream come true. So oh, so you had started at Cal before? Mm-hmm. I know you come back. Okay, so you were well. You obviously uh, you obviously still did well in school, unlike many of us who got addicted to D and D. If you if you got into Cal while playing D and D. That's that's pretty impressive. It was a lot easier back then. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, well, probably. Also, I, I, as I recall, and it still might be true, if you lived in Berkeley, I think that was another, um, I think back then it seemed like it was another plus is that right? to get in. I, I, I don't remember. I would have thought it had been a negative. Is that everyone now, now maybe it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's, okay, before that call comes, because you, so you appear, Dragon Magazine number two, right? August 1976, the... Remoras, right? Are, so are you the creator? I mean, I noticed it's your artwork in there. Did you submit? Are you the creator of the, if I'm pronouncing correctly, the Remoras? Oh, no. Uh, no, that one I submitted just as an illustration. Okay. And uh, <laughs> unsolicited illustrations I was sending in uh, to the dragon. And uh, later I did do uh, the Ankeg. I did, uh, you know, 
designed that and illustrated. But no, the Remrez had just sent in there. And um, yeah, I was, I don't even remember if they had, if they even let me know that they were <laughs> using it. I don't think so uh, until after the fact. So I was a subscriber. And I think that I just opened it and saw it there. I was I was blown away. <laughs> so you were a scriber right from the beginning. I mean, right? Yeah, we we we, we were. Uh, I don't think I was subscribing to to the strategic review, but we were buying it. We were buying the strategic review, which was the precursor to the dragon. And uh, I think I saw an advertisement in one of the last issues of the strategic review that the dragon was going to be coming out. And I think I'm gonna mentioned that it was going to be a full-color production as opposed to the strategic review. Yeah. And I think that prompted me to send color illustrations, and I'm not sure about that. Okay. You know, memory is tricky. I think whether 70% of your memories are either false or heavily modified. Well, you, can just, so you can just make it go. up. That would be great. In fact, yeah, I think I'll start uh, doing that. And, and I'm surprised <laughs> we haven't asked the... See if you the can catch uh, me. density yeah, okay. of the pigment that you used in the uh, the, the drawing of the Ankhead, you know what what how much mixture of the paint that you uh, put in there? That'll be that'll be the type of detail we're going to ask you, Errol. So don't don't, don't be okay. afraid. So just make it up. Just kind of come up with it. It's all good. Yeah, well, we that's do. what we do. Mm -hmm. So can you, can you tell us a little bit? I see fantasy art enterprises, right? Because you now these things. I don't know if you do. You ever go onto eBay to check out how much your stuff is being sold for? Just um, uh, not not recently. I think I might have checked now and then. Yeah, it's pretty it, it, it's pretty pricey. But so you did right the uh, Necronomicon. Necronomicon, I think. Ne Necronomicon. Sorry, I knew yeah, I was. Okay. You know, I, I, but I know it's not okay because I've been practicing like fifty huh. times right okay. before this. And 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 Booty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. Beast. So can you tell? A beast. Mm -hmm. Without, can you tell us a little bit about those two? Well, those were uh, we had a little company called Fantasy Art Enterprises, which was um, uh, manned by uh, uh, Paul Ritchie, Matthias Genser, and myself. We were, you know, the core of one of the gaming groups, uh, and we, we, you know, we made up a lot of stuff. And uh, this this was probably. Uh, partially inspired by Dave Hargrave's publishing. It was like, hey, we, we could do something like this. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, we made a, a book of spells and then a book of uh, monsters and treasure and then some other playing aids, the geomorphs and magic item cards. Yeah. Please tell me you still have copies. Yeah, I, I have a few copies. Um, and I think there's a cache of them somewhere. But... Think not, so. not a not a Lake Geneva landfill. No, no, no. This was nothing. Yeah, this was had nothing to do with TSR. So yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, the yeah. B, a B three Joker. Yeah, there might be a, a few like a box of them somewhere. Maybe not. <laughs> okay, the search is on. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's possible. Oh, right. so you get so I get. You said you you get a phone call. You you had you entered a contest right to draw a mon a creature. From Fafford and Gray Mouser. Uh, the, the art contest? In, in yeah, exactly, right? That was, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. You, uh, you but I had been sending in, a, I think a lot of the stuff was before that. I mean, a lot of the things I sent in, right? The Remoraz and 
Yes, indeed. Because, yeah, so you, you'd had the uh, Remoraz and the Ankag before. Mm-hmm. And then in Dragon 13, August 78, mm-hmm. we've got, uh, we've got, <laughs> so yeah, once again, breaking out is, is uh, it's often happens in my interview. This is your life. So in uh, August 78, uh, there's a contest to draw a fa- uh, the monster from a Fafrin Greymaster story. And what's interesting about it is you, so you get an honorable mention, but it's not until April 1979, a year later, that the winners are announced. So a year later, and 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 tell us about the phone call then you get because I I assumed it was it was you know maybe based upon the honorable mention but you had had other stuff published too. What? Tell me about the phone call. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dave Sutherland called me up and and you know he said you know we're looking for an artist um, to to work for us and I I think uh, I'm pretty sure what happened is uh, Trampier had quit recently quit. And, um, uh, I, you know, I guess I was known, uh, to some people over there cause uh, the things that I had been sending in and that were published in the dragon. So he thought of me, the other thing, and I'm not really sure about this, uh, cause I never asked him, but, uh, I think he might've thought that I was closer to Lake Geneva than I actually was because at the time, the area code for Berkeley was 415. I know area codes had nothing to do with this, so I'm casting doubt on, on Dave's knowledge of area codes. But it was 414, I believe, in Lake Geneva. And when I told, you know, we talked for a while, I was like, yeah, I would love to come. He said, why don't you come for an interview? And when I told him where I was, he was surprised. Like, But anyway. And then they had, yeah, they were very cool. They flew me out there and I interviewed and I walked around the place. It was like, I was really blown away. You know, they had the, uh, the dungeon hobby shop downstairs and, uh, it was really cool. And, uh, yeah, meeting everybody, everyone was so nice. Dave Southern was a really good guy. Really good guy. And what, did you get a chance to meet Gary on that trip? You know, I don't remember. I honestly, I don't remember. I met a lot of people, though. And um, how did they get a hold of you? I mean, I guess they had you send in stuff. They have your phone number on something you'd send I in. I think so. I think, uh, yeah, because they had been sending me. They actually paid me for for the things they published. Uh, so they, I think they had my information. And and when did you get, did you get offered the job after you left? So you're being interviewed, so you're not yet hired. Do you get hired there or do you get back and you have no idea and you're nervous and I got to keep studying, but I don't want to study because I made up a job. You know what? I, I, I think I don't remember. I think it was sealed on that trip, but I don't remember exactly because I don't remember any, you know, coming back and having any anxiety or anything like that. Did you know when you went out there, were you basically already, if they offer me the job, I'm taking it. Yeah, there was no, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, no, no doubt. It didn't I mean, matter, like, money? No, 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 they whatever. didn't. Yeah, no, no, money. Really? Yeah. I, I was taking anything they offered me, and I think that that's what I did. <laughs> as with many others, like, as I understand. Um, so so how quick, did you, did you leave mid-semester then from Berkeley? Um, you know, I think it was the end I think it was the end of the year. Like when does, I don't know. I think it was like September or something, right? Isn't that when college is over? I think I finished the year. Yeah. Usually starting in September. So maybe, yeah. So maybe, maybe it's getting ready to start. Oh yeah. Right. Summer, summer in school. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I think I left 
yeah, the end of summer. Okay. Yeah, before before starting again a new year. Yeah. Okay. And so tell us, so when you arrive, who's in the art department when you get there? Uh, Dave Sutherland and myself. Okay. That that's so Jeff, that was Jeff, it. Jeff that was wasn't it. there or any of the other ones? No, okay. Nope. 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 We were on the top floor at that time. Uh, later when the art department added a couple of people, we moved to the second floor. If the first floor is, was uh, the hobby shop, yeah. So we were just there was just two little rooms there, and uh, Dave was in one and I was in another. Okay, well, so when you if you're going to bring up floors, we got to ask you about this apparent incident where people say you fell through the floor, and we've heard different versions of how much of you extended down into the next floor. Is this, is there any truth that, that we've been told that there was this mysterious, this is the story I think we got, there's this mysterious third floor that nobody went to, but apparently our Lotus decided to poke around up there and he ended up falling through the floor. Just say it's true, please. Don't, don't bring us down. Oh yeah, I mean that that happened. That happened. Um, a, well, all right. Well, explain it to us like it's one of your your, your drawings. So, so what what happened? Well, yeah. The thing is, I'm not sure if it was, you know, if it was a full on floor. I guess you would call it the fourth floor. It was a full on floor. I think floor. that's what uh, Tim. But uh, I, not was it Tim? I think Tim or Jim Ward was telling us that, right? The I think it was uh, fourth floor. He said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the first floor was, you know, they had a basement, which was really good for gaming, and then the hobby shop. And then when we would say the second floor, which was eventually ended up being, oh, like, a lot of it was art department. And after the art department moved from the second to the third floor, the top floor was all design and editing. Uh, and then I don't know if there was a full-on fourth floor. I mean, I went up there, and I don't remember if there was, you know, rooms and things. There was access to the ceilings of the of the third floor. So you could walk across beams. Uh, and I, I just fell through, uh, I guess whatever it was, the particle board there. I mean, it might've been just that I was exploring, you know, um, <laughs> that's the way we, that's know, what we were led to believe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I might've just been messing around, but I also, we were also, I mean, I'd like to think that we had a really, really competitive diplomacy game. Uh, at one point, uh, maybe a couple of sessions of that. It was really intense, and may, uh, maybe I was trying to spy on somebody. That's what uh, I was that, think. So did your foot go okay. through, your leg, half your body? Because we heard two different versions of it. Oh, I think, as I remember, yeah, I fell and caught myself, like on my armpits, on the, what do they call those, yep, joists yep. or whatever. Yeah, oh, it hurt, yeah. but I was not injured, really. So I guess most, you know, and I, and I actually can't remember if I came back up or somebody helped me down. I don't really remember that. Was, was that <laughs> yeah. the funniest moment at TSR? Or did you have one One of our questions? I'm reading the chat right now. Lots of great questions. One of them was, funniest moment you had at TSR when you were there. Was that your funniest moment or another one? Funniest? Uh, uh, I can't think of anything. Maybe something will come, come to me. I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I don't know how funny this was, but I... Yeah, he, he didn't find it funny at all. That's not yeah, funny I didn't think that was well, funny. Well, funny now. I mean, you know. Yeah. Is I think it is. It's legendary. People um, have... They're talking about their time at TSR, and they stop and go, yeah, and then there was a time... That's, two people said it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was you know, yeah. legendary. 
the guy does amazing artwork, and, and then all they talk about is he falls <laughs> to the floor. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if so, so something comes up, just think about it. But that was one of the questions. Hey, so Dan, let me go through some of these questions because they're flying through here. Sure, please. Um, so uh, Carlos uh, asked, um, the last entry in the rogues gallery is a character named Valeris. It's mentioned that Valeris was... Valeris, Valeris. excuse me. Uh, and <laughs> could you ask which game did he play, did, did Valeris play in? Which games? Well, I mean, he was one of my characters. I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I don't know what that means, which games well, he played. We had some adventures with him, and I ran him as okay. a character. But it, were, you, were, you playing in, in it, were you playing in Gary's game when you were at... Uh, no. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I think the only time I really played with Gary was in... A, I was running a, a, a game for him in the... Um, uh, there was a dungeon master contest, um, and we we uh, we were allowed to enter. So I entered into that, and uh, it was that was that was that was a lot of fun. He was a player, and um, Brian Bloom, and I'm not sure if I had four players: Jim Ward and and, and Will Niebling, I think. Um, is is this, I, I may have information on is this because I have here that you were the runner up in TSR's fourth invitational AD and D Masters tournament at Gen Con thirteen. I don't remember what what place place I was uh, somewhere somewhere honorable mention or something. I, I, yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Those guys were yeah they were taking it seriously. Uh, Gary and uh, <laughs> Brian especially was really trying to throw the the DM. And I think he got me on something. I think Gary really mentioned to me that he really thought it was a very original dungeon, but that I lost because uh, Brian Bloom's character threw pepper at uh, at um, one of my uh, monsters, and I didn't handle it the way the uh, the uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons uh, dungeon masters oh. guy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I lost oh. a technical. I mean, valid. I guess I never actually looked it up. I don't remember pepper grenade yeah. throw. I got some rules. We we got a copy right here. Shall <laughs> we? Right. The pep, the, Do you remember what the pepper uh, missile? Throw? I mean, I, I, as I recall, he threw pepper, and I didn't handle it right. So let me so, so let me just get this straight. You were DMing Gary and Gary, and they're judging you. Mm-hmm. Were were you nervous? No, no, no. I wasn't nervous. I was a really icy. ICDM. DMing was my thing. I loved it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were you, were, were you, so, and you, you've DMed. How much did you DM then? Because I know you've DMed at North Texas as well. And I don't know, people, of course, think of you as a great fantasy artist. But, you know, I saw Red's well, a write-up of your DMing at North Texas. And you just, the, you know, the blogger was blown away about your, he, he, he described it as basically going through your artwork, so to speak, like imagine Errol Otis's artwork. That's the way his wow. games are. So, yeah, wouldn't that be? Cr- I mean, that to me, that would be amazing. So, how how often were you DMing when when you were in Lake Geneva? You know, in Lake Geneva, not not that much, really. Um, yeah, it was mostly. Uh, yeah, I was I, I was one of the main DMs for our groups. Uh, you know, and, and I guess we started at late junior high. I'm really not sure in high school. Um, yeah, 
Why did I resource? So, you know, these ideas that you have for your drawings, which are so incredible. And, and, you know, I was reading about Island Town, right, which you had run. Right. That's the game that I ran. I think you're referring to that. Yeah. The first couple of adventures of that were some of it was kind of unorthodox in terms of, you know, what kind of gameplay. Like it wasn't there wasn't a lot of combat You were you were trying to. Um, you, you were kind of conducting a, a very important harvest critical to the survival of your tiny isolated uh, uh, community and uh, it required a lot of um, strange uh, physical activities that weren't combat and, and it was it was a lot of fun it had, I'd like to think that it had some Vancean flavor to it you know weird customs and things and uh, yeah that that game the players were we're digging it. It sounded great. Is it? What is the status? I mean, is that available? I, you know, I googled it, and I, I think North Texas issued a copy, if I recall correctly. But it doesn't look like it's easily available, which is a shame if it's not, because it sounded very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 not right now. I mean, I, yeah. I, I should do something with that at some point. But yeah, I, I put together uh, the adventure in kind of a module format. Uh, just to, you know, I gave some copies out to the players, and uh, it was just a lot of fun to do. And also uh, to help the con, they they take those and then they do a limited edition digest version, which is a small version. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it would be good to do publish that, uh, you know, spruce it up and publish it at some point. Oh, that'd be super cool. Yeah, James, more on the chat because I sort of uh, hijacked. Yeah, that's okay. People, I told the them there's 2,700 more questions to go in there. Questions would be able to get out there. <laughs> they, they were okay with it. Um, so let me let me back up here. Uh, okay, so we have uh, so we mentioned about the Valerius. Yep, and. Uh, Was uh, Thing Izzards your invention, or was it something they asked for in White Plume Mountain? Say, say that again? Uh, you know, the White Plume Mountain uh, map, and we kind of little talked. Was Thing Lizard, Thing Izzards was your invention or someone else's? Oh, I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, some of that stuff I just put in there, but I don't remember. You know, I know that the Undead Dragon and... Uh, some other things, but I don't remember that. Yeah, and I'd like to ask. I'd like to ask for the DMG because you you arrive in late '79, correct? To TSR '79 is a DMG. September, and, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and I only noticed. I could only find one. Um, it, it, I was surprised that you had anything in here because it sounds like you're just arriving. And I know there is one. It's the on spell casting. You've got mm -hmm. the. It's mm -hmm. a great little picture, right? You've got the. Uh, yeah, I've seen some people uh, wearing a T-shirt of that, which is really cool. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah. So what happened? So did you just get in there and, like, there's just time for you to do one a drawing or, or what? So I I believe that uh, it was added in a, in a second printing. Oh, that would make sense. I believe that's the case. So there are some without it yeah. and some with it. I think that that is the case. I think... I think Dave was interested in having me uh, get something in there when when the opportunity came up. Okay. And um, James, let me know when you've got a question. Otherwise, I'll 
keep rattling well, them off. One of them um, is, is going to be related to the Silver Princess, since you were going to talk about that as well. Uh, uh, the, Dave says he loves the art of the Silver Princess. He's read both versions. Do you have a preference of which one? You know, there's some interesting discussion about the Silver Princess, B3. Do, do I have a preference about yeah because they're version? so radically different you mean I guess I guess of the adventure yeah. itself did your your artwork was your did you have you had artwork in the second one too I mean obviously you have different I don't really remember how much they took out yeah. um, so I don't know if any of it is in the second version okay you know I'm but, really yeah I'm not but, so did you but I, I far prefer the one with the one more interesting illustrations yeah, I'm, gonna in show, I'm gonna show the, the you know the classic one. Yeah, so there, right, so there, there's a famous right. So there's uh, what I love about the B three story is that there's so many stories to it as to mm. right mm. why different people. And there's actually a blog entry where they did interviews of people as to what the problem was with B three. And of course, one of the versions is that that, that there was objection from I guess management to to one of your drawings, right? You and G, so Gene Wells creates a monster, and you are tasked right to draw the monster. Mm-hmm. And and you you make them the, these three headed monsters and the story is that these are the, the faces are of people at TSR mm-hmm. and and they didn't like that so I guess the question is true and are you willing to name names identify <laughs> who it is <laughs> you got to you got to you got to take okay. your shot what is this is my only shot ever so uh, I, I believe that it's that part is true and also there, there were some other illustrations in there that they uh yeah it's some something that was it's so incredibly tame but that they were worried that was the uh s&m you know yeah. the the woman hanging and uh, yeah um but uh yeah no i i uh i can see i mean when i look at that it seems a little overblown to me like i look at the uh and uh um I see one face that to me looks like a cross between Gygax and uh, David Force. Well, this, um, is, this is your drawing, right? What? This is your drawing, right? Yeah, the Ubus, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so were you, when you said it looks like, were, was that your, is that who, who it is? Is it a cross between? <laughs> that's, that's what it looks like to me. I, I, you know, I look at it now and that's the only one that looks remotely he's, like anybody. He's been I mean, well the, coached by his counsel on how to answer. The is other, your attorney <laughs> off screen? No, no, I, I'm telling you, I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah. the process. Uh, okay, I'll tell you what I remember about that drawing is that I was really happy. Like I claim, and again, seventy percent of memories are either just lies—not lies, you know, misrememberings or modified. But I remember asking Gene if I could, if the Ubus can be a combination male-female, and I remember being thrilled when she said yes. Mm. So I remember being really happy, you know, to be putting um, male and female together in different combinations, just thinking about what their lives would be like, you know. Um, and so that, that's the main thing I remember about that illustration. Honestly, I don't remember, um, you know, maybe the other, the, the other male head, uh, that's across from, uh, Gary LaForce is, uh, uh, has a little bloom to it, but not much. Uh, do you guys, are you guys looking yeah, at yeah, the picture? We, yeah, we can. Have? I can. So there's there's the the t- taller figure has the head that looks like to me a uh, uh, cross between uh, uh, Gary and Dave and then uh, 
as a female, and then the other male head looks a little like a balloon. Um, you should all should be able to see it. You should, but uh, but nobody yeah. else in there looks like anybody to me. I think oh, it's, yeah. um, so it's, it's a can little bit over overblown. Can you see, can you see that, Aaron? So it's up on the screen, right? It looks like I that. see it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So the left definitely looks like Gary to me, right? I mean, that looks. I looks it's like, like all seventies so, so, people back then with the yeah. whole beard. So, so I get. So is it? So even if it looks like Gary, I guess what you're saying is when you drew this, you were not setting out to draw anybody's uh, picture. I I don't remember. Okay. It was an act of defiance or, 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 or jab at people. Oh, there was no, there was definitely a feeling like, so as I remember, the module was, you know, sent in and the editors were sort of told hands off, like, don't, like, don't mess with this. Don't, don't, don't change gene stuff, send it through. I don't remember why, but there was definitely a feeling, you know, and we, we were, we were down with the designers and the editors and we felt like we were a team and they were kind of pissed off. And so I think we felt like, yeah, okay, let's take this, take this to its ultimate conclusion. <laughs> so you'd be given a free hand, basically. Like it's not going to be messed with. You can. I'm sorry. I mean, you'd be given a bit of a free hand. So if it wasn't going to be altered at all, meaning you could, you, you could, you didn't have to worry so much about other people coming in and, and, uh, well, well, we knew that. Well, no, it was a feeling that uh, you know the um, the designers and editors were kind of getting uh, not not allowed to do their job, and so we felt like we were going to um, stick it to the man a little you know, bit. Take... It sounds like, yeah, yeah, just kind of thumb their nose at, uh, and and the fact that this company has this kind of, you know, again from from people from the outside. Thinking about TSR is not that big a company, and it wasn't still. But you had these divisions or this hierarchy that was there that you had to to deal with is very interesting, even for such a small company where you had you said the creative types versus almost creative types versus management is what I'm kind of hearing. At that time, there was yeah, there was a there was quite a quite a feeling like that. I don't know how it you know, how it developed, but it definitely felt like that. And so this was an opportunity just to, like you said, stick it to the man, or like I said, stick it to the man. That's awesome. That's super cool. <laughs> James supports you. So uh, now one of the things that I, I think you did, you did the, DM, uh, the Dungeon Master screen, right, which, um, you know, the first edition Dungeon Master screen, uh, the cover with the, what is it? It's, it's a fighter with a spear, I think by attacking a dragon, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that must have been one of your early assignments, I think, right? Because that, that, the DM screen was, I think, 1979. So is that one of your early assignments? Uh, yeah, I think some of the earliest ones um, were uh, uh, were covers of playing aids. Um, and those were actually pretty cool because they were monochromatic, right? There would be shades of green, shades of purple. Mm-hmm. And uh, to accomplish that, of course, now it's 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 nothing, you know, with Photoshop. But back then, you had to do a different black and white illustration for each tone, and then uh, uh, you know align them with these registration marks. It was so labor intensive for such a simple outcome, but it was almost like a you know a, a, 
it was a very unique discipline. Because the other thing is, is you never knew how it would turn out until it was printed. You'd say, okay, 20% plus, you know, 30%, 40% uh, the darkness of the, of the color. Uh, and so speak, and so 1980, of course, is probably a good time for us to bring up, you know, 40 years ago, Deities and Demigods. And this is just, you know, I think when people think of, you know, your iconic pieces without question, you know, Deities and Demigods is one of them. How did you, how did you get tasked with that? Do, do you remember why it fell upon you to do the cover? No, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Uh, so what? Can, what? Can, so can you tell us about? Do you remember doing it? And and yeah. and, and, and and would would you be given a basically a free hand? Like, like somebody's okay, do the cover. Were you told? Was somebody telling you it should be like this, or is it basically do what you want? We'll take a look at it. Yeah, I think it was more like that. It was really uh, a nice. Um, <coughs> Um, open, open, uh, you know, not, not heavily art directed environment. Um, and I, I, I believe I submitted a rough idea and they said, yeah, go, that's, that's a good idea. Do it. Did, so was that, did you ever have your stuff turned down by them? Like you do a draft and they're like, yeah, that's just, you know, that doesn't look like the monster the way I <clears throat> think of the monster. Um, No, no, I, but I, you know, I was usually, if it was to be following, you know, uh, a manuscript, I was usually pretty good about, about paying attention to the details of the, of the creature. Yeah. And, and, and for Excuse something, me. <coughs> no worries. And so for something like these and demigods, like, how do you, are you, you know, so I read up on this and people were explaining how, well, you know, on the back, it shows the power of the deities. You got the poor guy. Is, is that when you're deciding to design something like this, are you thinking, I want to have a scene that sort of sends this message and this message, or are you just basically, I'm going to draw what I think would be a cool cover? Well, <clears throat> message, hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure about that. I mean, you know, we wanted to show gods and, uh, you know, uh, patron deities, you know, interacting on the front and then the back, uh, I wanted to show, uh, some Cthulhu-esque and more occult-leaning, uh, content. Right, and of course, and, and you famously draw, you did the Cthulhu entries, which we know end up, unfortunately, getting removed, right? But that, right, right. Was that, uh, yeah, so how disappointing was that? Cause my it was really disappointing, because I love Lovecraft, and uh, it's, 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 it was just totally weird to us. You know, we finished it, it was published, and <clears throat> does it really go that far before... <laughs> People who are responsible for that sort of thing, you know, figure out they screwed up. It's, it was pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, my understanding is I think, you know, Jim's position was that they had a letter, but I couldn't find it. They had approval, but then they couldn't find the letter, and they didn't want to spend the money fighting it. So, so yeah, I mean, I think Jim knows better than anyone, but that, that sounds pretty weak. I mean, 
there was a letter and they couldn't find it? Is that the story? If I got it right, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I remember okay. memories. I don't remember My memory's bad too. So I, I don't want to like say that's definitely the story. But I know Jim has. I mean, I think you know, I, and I feel bad for Jim because you know, about once a year he'll post something on Facebook because you know, every time somebody asks about the 144 pager, somebody always mentions, oh yeah, this is the one where they violate the copyright. And 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 Jim, I think is you know, obviously is hurt by that. And he posts, you know, his statement of, of what happened. And I can't remember. Oh, I just, I'm sure he knows. I'm sure his, yeah. his version is most accurate. But what we were told at the time was that they didn't have the rights to do it. Mm. That yeah. was our explanation to us. Yeah. Uh, uh, are you – so the original artwork for Deities and Demigods – so apparently, right, it is – I mean, last thing I saw based on – my research on the internet is that it was, I think, what Noble um, uh, Noble Knight Games, the owner of that, has it hanging. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and and he had been last offering price was seventy five thousand dollars, which he had turned down. Dude, right? So, so how does so? I guess I'm not sure I have much of a question there, other than thoughts. I wish TSR didn't have a policy of keeping originals. Yeah. Well, yeah. What happened? Because right, you didn't get to take any. You didn't take really any of your originals, right? No, no. I mean, I recovered some, uh, but most of them, certainly most of the color work, apparently was uh, thrown away under the watch of, of some art director, and then uh, much of that was rescued by different people, and they sold it, kept it. Don't really know. What did you What did you recover? How were you able to recover some of it? Um, let's see, uh, I got a couple pieces from Dave LaFour, so I guess recovered some, sent me a couple, and, um, some other, other acquisitions here and there. Okay, well, I, ho- I hope you're forced to pay exorbitant eBay prices for your own originals. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Okay, good. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us, so, along with, with Deities and Demigods, without question... You know, the, the work everyone talks about is the cover of the basic set. In oh, yeah. 19, mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you, and, and I want to read some of the things that, it, that people said online about that cover. So, um, oh, well, and this is not online. Art and Arcana wrote, Otis manages to create an atmosphere of adventure-filled claustrophobia by using seemingly shallow, uh, seemingly shallow pool to produce a large dragon in a modest dungeon space. And a, a blogger said the following about it. The setting is underground, a dungeon. Apparently our heroes have just descended to a lower level via the stairs in the background. Both magical spells and force of arms are being cooperatively combined to overcome a dragon. Did you catch that? Both a dungeon and a dragon on the cover of Dungeons and Dragons. Am I the only one who thinks game cover art should be that obvious? More adventures undoubtedly lurk in the caves beyond. The reward of success treasure is clearly visible. The sorceress holds a torch. Lighting can be a big issue in the game. So how much of, of, of things like that were you thinking about when you did the cover? Yeah, that cover, yeah. I wanted to show, you know, sort of the, the object, the gameplay. Right, which is a lot of it is getting treasure from defeating monsters. It's, <clears throat> it sounds pretty obvious, I know, but uh, that was the idea. Um, 
Is, do you ever have you ever been walking in the mall and someone has that shirt? Because you know the first time I ran a game again about three years ago, first edition game, somebody showed up with that shirt. <laughs> have you ever seen someone just out and about with that shirt? With the shirt. Yeah, with a picture of the the basic set cover. Because apparently, right? I mean, James, I don't wrong, but that's right. I mean, we see people periodically right in our games will show up with with that shirt. I just thought it'd be funny if you were out mm-hmm. at the movies. Oh. Someone's wearing that shirt, and you're like, "Hey, nice shirt." No, I, I think I'm. I'm pretty sure I've seen it at the cons, yeah. <laughs> but n- not just. Uh, no, not at. Uh, yeah. Not just, you know. Is that the first? I mean, you know, going back to deities and demigods. You know, you look at some of the earlier work, and and deities and demigods has that Earl Otis signature look to it. You know, the the that the the color palette and the styling of the figures. And that, you know, became, you know, that's what makes your work so recognizable, definitely in the, in the in D&D things. Was that the first, how did you get to that style of art? You know, from looking back at some of your previous works where it's not as distinctive. Is that something you worked on, you were inspired by? Maybe you can give us a little bit of how you came to that. Uh, <clears throat> came to style. Yeah, the, the, you know, because I can show you know, it's like a lineup. If we had three pictures, yeah. one of them would be yours from the later. Would be like, oh, that's our Lotus. We wouldn't have to see the, the, you know, the initials on it. It has that, you know, it's it's got a color palette that's unique. Typically, it's a softness to the to the images. They're they're not as, um, it's and again, that surrealism. I, I wouldn't consider it surrealism, but I get the idea. It's otherworldly almost. Mm-hmm. Would like the 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 perspective is. Is, is interesting, and, and, and so again, all these attributes come to, and again, Dan and I are not art people, so again, please uh, uh, apologize. No, no, it's all right. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I, I'm, not really, I'm not really sure about that. Um, I mean, I know when it comes to, uh, I don't know if this really speaks to, to your question, but I, uh, when it comes to figures, human figures, I much prefer to see things made up completely by the artist, uh, you know, as opposed to working from, you know, a model or a photograph. I find that much more interesting to see. um, Yeah. Completely made up uh, people. Uh, Maybe that reflects on, uh, you know, wider on, on more of the subject matter that I paint. Um, uh, yeah, the style, I, it just happened. And, and does the media affect it? You know, so when you're doing color, you get more of, and this is, I don't know if you can see here, this is D3, you get, uh, versus maybe some of your line work, uh, you know, your pencil work or sketch work. It's, it's, I don't call it more traditional, but it's, it's sharper and it doesn't have the same, you know, look to it, I guess, as I'm, you know, kind of sh- showing everyone here now. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a good one, yeah. You know, again, like you said, it's very evocative. Which I'm showing Dwellers of the Forbidden City. You've got the combat. And again, the blood is not, uh, you know, exploding. It's it's kind of dri- drizzling out of the, the frog. The frog, yeah. He's the bleeding, that's, yeah. That's leap. But the, but the, but the, and again, this is, I know you'd love this one, Dan, this gnome, looks like a gnome spellcaster, you know, just totally destroys <laughs> in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, 
but it's 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 not a it's a stylized violence. It's not uh, you know realism per se. And again, these are fantasy creatures. So right. They, yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's not it's not um, uh, hyper realistic uh, at all. Um, but uh, it, it wasn't my intention. You know, it, I think it. You know, I, I don't think this is a cop at. Um, I think it comes from the, partially from the unconscious. You know, everyone's unconscious, I think, is actually more in charge of what you're doing than anything else. You know, your consciousness is just a tiny part of you, and most of you is something else. And I think that maybe made me do it that way. And, and, and with respect to the cover for The Basic, did you know, like, how did you land that? Because that seemed to me like would be a really big deal. I mean, D&D was, was at really what its height at that time. It was very popular. That was the one that was going to be rolled out, right, in Walden Books. Everyone was going to go in there and see that. Uh, did you have, a, how did you land that, if you remember? And did you have a sense that this was going to be a really big deal to do that cover? Um. <clears throat> Sorry about this, but no, I don't remember uh, why I was doing it. And I and I guess the funny thing is, I don't think a lot of people there yet knew how much that was going to sell, uh, or at least nobody told me this is, you know, this is big, this is huge. I am glad that it turned out so well, though. Um, you know that that painting is 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 pretty successful for what it, it set out to do. So that that all worked out. But no, I didn't realize. D and D, you know, I, I loved D and D, and I knew it was great, but I didn't realize how popular it would become. Uh, you know, uh, we were still being, you know, uh, pe- people. You know, I, you know, it didn't bother me a bit. I thought they were completely wrong, but but people were thinking, you know, this was kind of a uh, loser deviant thing to do a lot of the time. Like, why aren't you doing something not so strange? Uh, and I, you know. Mm. You don't know what you're talking about. But I didn't realize that it would become an ass, so it's so great that it's going continuing on and on and reaching broader audiences now. It's quite wonderful. And and I thought James had shown uh, Vault of the Drow. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because there was a monochrome color uh, cover originally, right? And then you were uh, you did the artwork on the next version of it. And I've read that some people believe this was sort of when people said, wow. You know, Errol Otis is a is a force. Um, do, do you remember doing that artwork? And did did you know? Uh, did you feel like it was it was something significant you were doing? Because it's become. I mean, that too has become iconic. Your your drawings of the drow. Hmm. No, I, do, I don't remember any particular uh, moment that I felt <clears throat> like I had done something. You know. Outstanding. Um, oh, I do remember when I first got to TSR, I think it was uh, maybe in the first couple of months when I was working on those monochromatic pieces, and I think I had finished one and uh, realized that it came out well and I was going to be able to do this. And being like the happiest I think I've ever been in my entire life. I do remember that. That was earlier and that not related to. Uh, Specifically to your question, but it was it was early on that I, I, I was really thrilled, and then after that, it was just, it was just great. We have some uh, we have some artists on as well. They're very uh, inspired by what you're telling. They really appreciate it. 
they want to know about your work process through the years. Has your full color process changed much throughout the years, how you approach it? And kind of the secondary, are you using computers now or are you still doing it all by hand? Uh, yeah, good questions and related questions. Uh, so for, for a period of time after, after I left TSR, I actually worked for a software company that was making paint systems. And uh, I was a demo artist for a while, and I, and I did some uh, interface design for the paint systems. So uh, for a while there, I was uh, doing a lot of uh, digital artwork. And uh, for D&D artwork, I don't think I ever did a completely digital piece, although several times I would do a pen and ink drawing and scan it in and then color it in the computer. I haven't done that for a while, but I've done that a few times. Now, these days, my color work is all uh, acrylic on, on uh, illustration board like, like a TSR. But wow. I do use the computer now to do uh, some studies. I still have to do, a lot of times I'll do a little, uh, you know, uh, acrylic study because the colors are so different. Uh, on the computer, but I'll, I'll maybe roughly plan out the colors on the computer because it's so easy to do and try things and, and try and match some of that with acrylics is tricky. Um, but yeah, then I'll do a study or two and then make the final. Excellent. And then I knew you were going to ask about the gibbering mouther. Is, was that, was the gibbering mouther first imagined and drawn by you, Errol? Uh, Did I do the first gibbering mouther? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. and because of the, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask her, was it quite right? So you were asked to, it was in the module, right? I think that was one of the, you were asked oh, yeah. to draw, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 it was a creature uh, in the module already. Uh, I can't remember, I mean, it was Jeff Leeson and Harold Johnson's module. Uh, and uh, I believe they both described the creature to me. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, from there, they the seem to be happy. What? I was in the hidden shrine of uh, Tomochan. Yeah. I always say it wrong. Tomoyo, I don't know if, that's I, right. if I said it right either, but that's no. I think it. you did say it right. <laughs> but you were I, you I, were I there. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll trust what you say. But did, when you showed it to them, were they like, "Yes, that's it"? I mean, would that happen at times when you present your? Could you tell if people were excited that you had captured? Because it's, I mean, I think there's some responsibility, right? It's their monster. You're right. trying, right? You're, you're, you're you don't want to make it too. Di you want to try to do what they are envisioning, right? No, not exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to follow uh, the description they've given, and then see if I can uh, put myself in there and make it work together. You know, I mean, but but what but. but Answer your other question. Yeah, they, they they liked it. I think I think I got a lot of positive reactions, you know, uh, uh, from from the designers when they saw my work. Um, yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, um, because it's a lot of it's pretty fun, you know. So they uh, it might not have been what they were expecting, but they a lot of times they were like, you know, 
That's right. So I was surprised to learn that you only had one cover of Dragon Mag. It's a wonderful cover. I mean, it's it's Mm. very well known. But I I was just curious as, you know, why you weren't asked to do more. I mean, you did so much work for them. But well, well, the dragon was like a separate entity, right, Uh, from TSR. And actually, the good thing about that is the work that I did for the dragon, I was able to keep the originals. So that was a plus. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, but so things, while I was there, you know, we were working, you know, all day, which was wonderful. But uh, to do something with a dragon would be an extracurricular, uh, you know, at night type thing. Um, and, I, I, you know, I was sort of like, you know, after drawing and painting all day, I didn't really want to do it anymore. So it was a, a kind of a, a rare thing. Um, but there was another uh, a cover I did for the dragon, but they didn't publish it. They published it inside, and uh, I think I might have done this for them freelance after I left. Uh, but it was the face of a drow, and uh, it was wearing uh, little human embryos as earrings, and they uh, they rejected it because of that. Well, they, they used it on the interior, but they said they couldn't use it for cover. They were still really skittish about, you know, legal things. What would the, you know, the demon worship and the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought having uh, impaled embryos as earrings would there'd be an audience that wouldn't find that too exciting? It wasn't. It I wasn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't very graphic. It was kind of a subtle thing. Uh, even that. Even you know. Even that somebody <laughs> would would you know. I'm telling you what they were, but you wouldn't necessarily think right. that. I think if you saw the picture, it's so tame. You know, well, by by yeah. even by uh, uh, underground comic standards back in the day. Now it's like. It's, it, it just seems silly. But yeah, so that was that cover, uh, a second one that could have been. Well, maybe that was your mistake. It sounds like you told them what it was. You should have just. No, 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 no. I don't think I told them what it was. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I figured it out. Um, I, um, I, I love your contribution to the Days of the Dragon calendar, right? You did a blue dragon. Right, that was another uh, another one of the freelance things I did after hours there, yeah. Okay, that was going to be my question, because I didn't know, because I knew it came out in 1982. I didn't know if that was something you'd done while you were there, like the monster cards. Some stuff comes out in 82, and you're gone, and I didn't know if you were doing it while you were there, and it was just later, or you were, st- or you were freelancing. Yeah, uh, so the monster cards and that um, dragon uh painting for the calendar. Those are some of the last things I did while I was there. So does that mean you got to keep the, if you do freelance, do you get to keep the original or no? Yes. Work done for the dragon. I get to keep the original. So I have that, I have that uh, blue dragon. I have the uh, strange, uh, you know, uh, dragon cover that uh, did come to be. I have those. Yeah. Okay. Um, So speak. So why did you leave? So you weren't there all that long. What made and I know that you, you you go back to school actually right you go to you go back to Berkeley if I understand correctly um, what so so why did you decide decide to leave TSR? Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't think uh, yeah, it's it's uh, multiple reasons I think you know it's nothing is uh, nothing uh, about a decision like that I think well I, I, well for me it was it was like I was tired of them keeping originals. I think that was one thing that was kind of wearing on me, you know, over time. It was one of the factors. Um, several of my friends had just been fired, well, a couple of months 
several months earlier. <clears throat> um, and, uh, uh, but, you know, another thing is when you're, when you were, uh, that age, you know, 19, 20, 21, it, it seemed like I had been there a long time, you know, the years go by much slower than they do now. And I felt like I wanted to do something else. Not exactly sure what, um, yeah, I think that, uh, that sums it up. Also, I really hate mosquitoes, man. And uh, Wisconsin is is really bad for mosquitoes. I don't know if you. Yeah, well, we're in Florida. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't come to uh, Florida. The, the the parents of the mosquitoes in Wisconsin, they the you know, the giant ones yes. are here. They, they have they have huge ones there. We have colossal. Really? Ones. They okay. carry because those they those carry ones in Wisconsin life. don't. They're not. They you know they're not messing around. Well, they have those black flies up in Michigan and that area too. Thankfully, I was never bit by one of those. I've heard of them. They're, they're terrible. I mean, it's just really amazing, Earl. And, and you know, I'm sure, you know, you're like you said, you're a young teenager. You know, you're basically a teenager. Last, you almost, yeah, last yeah, you teenage could, year. We kind of forget about that. Could you even drink? What was the drinking age in Wisconsin? Well, that's it was 21 in Berkeley, and it was 19 in Wisconsin at that time. Oh, and so how old were you when you got the job? When you so, so Tim, you were 19. nineteen. Okay. Oh, so that's why you took the job. Yeah, <laughs> you could drink. <laughs> it all makes sense. And then when you were twenty, and you left, you were twenty-one, right? That's right. There it is. Oh, I, I see. Can, then I, I could go back. It could, all makes that's sense. Right. I can get out of this mosquito-laden <laughs> oh, hellhole oh, and go back. The unconscious, the unconscious mind comes to yeah. the rescue. All right. Oh, awesome. Uh, so, uh, 1980, so we're, I think we're at 1982. Uh, alma mater, right? So you, you, do, you do the artwork for the role-playing game, alma mater, which, which was, was, suffice it to say, I guess, controversial. Um, what, what do you, how did you get involved in that project? And what do you remember? I mean, I've read things online about, you know, stores didn't want to buy it because – you know, it was dealing with drug use. Um, I see you can find you can find your your artwork online. Um, I think it's entertaining, but obviously some people were offended. Uh, yeah, I, I got contacted, I think, by phone by the the authors, and agreed. Yeah, we agreed to uh, to terms. I took on the assignment and uh, made the illustrations. And um, yeah, I, I know it seemed it seemed pretty tame. But back then, I guess, you know, maybe there was still <coughs> games industry was still kind of leery, worried about controversy. Yeah, because I think it got. Yeah, I mean, my understanding is that it, it didn't really go very far due to the fact that I don't know if it was your drawing. So, I mean, I think it was the, the, the subject matter involved. Well, I mean, it was the, the realization of the subject matter in the drawings. Right. Um, all right, James, anything on the chat? I, I don't want to monopolize. The- uh, well, I, and, you know, you have you, you mentioned uh, Adrian has said, um, have you thought about doing a retrospective book? And, you know, if, is that something, you know, because I think for a lot of folks, myself included, um, you know, it's not like you have a whole bunch of interviews out there, at least not recently. Uh, you have your artwork and you have your Facebook but it's not like you're, you know, do you want your story told? And, and would that be a challenge? And this, I'm trying to paraphrase the question. You, you couldn't have too much of your illustrations because you don't own some of those works or a lot of those works. 
Right. I, I don't. <clears throat> I would like to do an art book someday, and I, I, I most probably will. Um, but it's true. Since uh, I'm so well known for TSR stuff, I would really want to put a lot of that in there. But I think there's some limit uh, on how what percentage it can be there before it has to be a licensed product and things, uh, you know, from from Wizards of the Coast. So I need to look into that uh, pretty carefully. But I also feel like I want to do more before. I don't know if I want to make two books, you know. So mm. <laughs> I think I want to make a few more pieces that are really good. Yeah. Great. And, and, and uh, people, they were, they're all ready for your Kickstarter for that. If you did that, you <laughs> kickstarted that book, they're all ready. Um, the, uh, so if, just let us know. We'd be, we'd be all over that. Yeah, I, wa- I want to do that. It's just a matter of time, hopefully not too long. And, and then another question. Thank you, Mark. Uh, did you ever get to play test an early Tom Wom games when, with him back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Wom was amazing. Uh, I believe we we play tested uh, awful green things from okay. space. Uh, oh, that's cool. a really good game, <clears throat> and I, that's the one that I that I remember. I thought it was something else, but <clears throat> that one I remember because it was it was so excellent and fun. Have you played awful green things from outer space? A long t- a long it's time. It's really good. Yeah. And- it was it was when I shifted away from, you know, D and D was all encompassing, and then it was like, hey, wait a minute, there's this whole world out here. And you started realizing, you didn't have there was you know itches that could be scratched with more than just Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so I mean, fact, it's yeah, it, you know, it's a game that you play in an, an evening, you know, right, and it doesn't have the uh, the lasting. You know, appeal to me of D and D, but it's really fun. Yeah, like paranoia for us was. Uh, oh yeah, was not in a, not the same game, but a similar kind of diversion that you could uh, uh, be ruthless with all the things you wanted to do. The other player characters you could do, and it was legitimate because the game encouraged that kind of shenanigans, and and uh, it, it was cathartic in that. You could get all this nonsense out of it, and then you could go back to the serious game, kind of like what White Plume Mountain was supposed to do, or the Funhouse games. You know, you were to divert yourself from from the you know the epic campaign and go do a Funhouse thing. Mm-hmm. Paranoia was for us. I mean, you couldn't run a, a. I mean, I'm sure there were people who tried to, but if if your game if the if the adventures lasted more than two or three sessions, that was surprising because you ran out of clones as you killed everyone. It was mm-hmm. an example. So. Mm-hmm. And you did artwork for, I think, what, Top Secret? I mean, you did artwork, obviously, for other TSR games, too, right? You're best known for, for D&D, but that, that wasn't the only product. Right, whatever products they were, they were publishing, you know, the art department would, would do artwork for. You know, Top Secret, absolutely. Like Gamble World, I think, did you do again? Did you Gamble Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gamble World, we did a lot of, yeah. Uh, uh, the this DM, or Game Master screen for, for Gamble World. and. Uh, oh, wow. Some drawings uh, uh, in the module contained there, and then maybe some other things. Yeah, the, uh, the part of the uh, Gamma World screen is the the banner for my Facebook page, just part of it. Awesome. And were you responsible for? I think there was like, was there? Did you do the Gamma World cover where there's a dead Kennedy's necklace? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
That's that. That's awesome. that's the, the game master's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that was a lot of fun because nobody, you know, it was just plain as day, and nobody had a clue what it was. That one got by them. The, the earrings <clears throat> I didn't get by them. Right. Right. Now it just looked like an interesting magic item symbol. You know, mm-hmm. the dead Kennedy logo. What is? I saw your. You have a DM screen that you use where you have put your some of your artwork on it. I saw it from the North Texas convention. So, so what artwork do you have? I think the, uh, the Gibbering Mouth, uh, Mouther is on there. Do you, do you remember like what you put on there? Is, is that basically your favorite Errol Otis works on there? <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, I pick ones, yeah, not all of them, but I, I like all those more than a lot of other ones. And then, you know, they're also all black and white cause I, I, uh, <clears throat> I thought it would come out better. Uh, just in terms of like not having, I mean, it was just me, you know, and a copier and, you know, printing stuff out and, and, uh, it, it, yeah, it worked out best. So, best so what is just black and white? So what, what is Errol Otis's favorite Errol Otis works? You, you asked me what my, my, my yeah. favorite picture yeah. is that I've Yeah. Done. Or pictures. Yeah. Or just so, well, so, I mean, so I really like memorable. The, yeah, I like the, the, uh, Shub Niggurath, of course, that one I always think about. Mm. And I like uh, my little Cthulhu. <clears throat> you know, those those uh, images in uh, in uh, in uh, Deities and Demigods are not very large, you know. And uh, it was uh, it felt challenging, you know, to do a good Cthulhu in a tiny little space like that. But I I was really happy with that how that came out. And a couple of those module covers that you you held up are really cool. <clears throat> You know the uh, battle with the the, the frog creatures. <clears throat> I, you know, oh, that one. Yes, and that one. I really love that one. That oh, one. I've got a question. I was just about to mention that. Okay. Well, yes, and we love what is it? The uh, myconoids. <clears throat> the myconoids. Mm-hmm. That's right. Is that what? Can you hold that back up again, James? I have a theory, and I don't know. Maybe it's already been established. Is that Lawrence Schick on the right? You know, I. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it looks it, it looks like him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and... Uh, I don't know what he looked like in 81, though, or whatever. So. Well, it looks a little bit like him. Uh, I don't, again, this is like the, uh, yeah, House of the Silver Princess. Again, I don't remember trying to make it look like Lawrence at all. Yeah. But there's another one, uh, Tom Moldway's module with the big giant uh, knocking down a tower. I don't know. Oh, Castle Amberville. I don't have Now, one. I do think I tried to make the giant look like Tom Moldway. I have a vague memory of that. Yeah, so. Uh, Here's some of the Rogue's Gallery. I'm just pulling all the, all the ones I have of your artwork, mm-hmm. just kind of blast from the past. And, yeah. uh, let's see, keep going. Yeah, no. It, now, it, I was going to show, yeah, the basic and the, the other one I also had, of I, course, the expert. Yeah, and I think, you, I think I read online that you don't really remember too much about because, you know, it's so great where the expert set that, of course, is, you know, has the wizard with the image of the basic set. But if I recall, you, you don't recall if that was something you were told to do. You came up with that, if they? No, <clears throat> I don't remember. Uh, uh, like, that was not my idea. Yeah. That's all I remember. That's right. Somebody, some, it was proposed, and I'm like, oh, how, yeah, okay. <clears throat> how do we do that? <laughs> we, we took a photo, you know, of the, uh, of the basic cover, and then I paint, you know, glued it to the board and painted around it. That's the, uh, yeah. 
How do, and, and, the non-Photoshop, the pre-Photoshop way. <laughs> and, and how did you, um, I know you said you don't really remember a lot about how work came to you. Were there certain projects, though, that you remember, like, that like people wanted, that you wanted? They're like, yeah, I want to do this. Like, someone would come in and be like, I got an idea. I need someone to draw this monster. And you're like, oh, me. I, I, I want to do that. Well, that was the, the Cthulhu mythos. Okay. <clears throat> Daddy's mm-hmm. demigods. I, I distinctly remember, you know, like a fire burning, you know, have to do, must do. Did you, did you have to basically wrestle anyone to get the deal? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't remember how, you know, I mean, I wasn't the only one who wanted to do that. Um, I don't remember how these, you know, I, uh, Jim Rosloff was our director at that time. Really, really nice guy again, like Dave Settlement. Um, and I don't remember how that you know, decision was finally made. Uh, one of the things I also thought was interesting in the Eye of the Beholder movie, you mentioned that for your combat scenes, you wanted to show both the good and the bad. So in so many of your scenes, you've got the good guys are, are, are getting the best of the baddies in one section, but in another part, the baddies are getting the better of, of the good part. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, <clears throat> that's the game. You know, you go into an encounter, a combat encounter, you think you're going to be unscathed? No, probably not. Even if you win, you know, there's going to be uh, some carnage, you know, on your side. And first first edition, anyway. <laughs> oh, well, what happens now? I played some no, I don't know. Fifth, <laughs> I played some <clears throat> fifth, and it, you know, it's much the same. There's a lot different, but uh, I think that aspect is... Similar. Is that so? When you run a game, like at North Texas, when you run a game, uh, do you do you run what what edition do you play? Uh, first edition, yeah. uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons. With it's actually a little bit. Some of it's it's kind of like a cross between original D and D and advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I don't do those uh, spell reagent things and uh, some other uh, details. And, and do you have a favorite adventure from back in the day? You know, a module or adventure that you went through that you consider a favorite? Hmm. You know, as far as modules go, I, I so much prefer making up my own that I didn't really run. Uh, I don't think I've ever, as a DM, ran one. Um, so, yeah, I don't really don't really have a favorite module in terms of playing it. No. So are there a lot of unpublished Errol Otis modules? I mean, we talked a little bit about Island Town. Is there, are there other ones? Because, you know, if, if, if they're as entertaining as I hear Island Town is, it, it would be a shame if they're in a box somewhere. No, house. not really. Those, the, those are the only ones I've uh, fleshed out and prepared enough to actually come anywhere close to being a, a module. Okay. And tell, can you tell us a little bit about your research, right? You've done work, I believe, for Goodman Games, and I think you did the cover for what Swords and Wizardry, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. right? So um, have you found that with the old-school renaissance that you are now uh, more in demand than you were before the old-school renaissance? You know, it's tough to answer because I was working full-time, you know, in the video game industry for, jeez. Not quite. Well, for decades. So 
I wasn't really trying to get work. Um, so I'm not really sure. I think, oh, you know what? I think it is uh, both, you know, the old school Renaissance, but also just the increased popularity of D&D, uh, you know, in uh, a wider audience. I think those things contribute to um, the possibility of doing work. Okay. James, anything on the chat? Oh, yeah. Um, and so you did video games. So you left, you you worked uh, a couple of things, and then you pretty much did video games for the, for the remainder of your career? Or did you dabble between... And, and, and what did you find good about video game, working on video games, and what was something that was not what to your liking or you know because again working on projects like that they're you know obviously much more intense i would imagine in some ways um how how is that different as an artist for you going from you know line work and illustrations and painting to now working in the, in whether it's set pieces or animation or all these other mm-hmm. things well so for video games i was a designer oh game really designer. Okay. yeah game designer yeah uh, mainly, I mean, when I started, I also did let's see. I did art. I did do some artwork at uh, at Microprose slash Spectrum All by <clears throat> uh, for uh, so there seven seven eight years. So I, I did do some art, yeah, art direction and artwork and game design. Then when I moved to uh, Toys for Bob Activision, that was as a pure uh, game designer. Although I would do some conceptual artwork. It was it was mostly game design, and that was very different. And at uh, you know, as the industry matured, you know, uh, game designers this is kind of obvious, but you moved from you know doing doing uh, specs and, and paper design to actually implementing the game using tools made by real engineers. So we would actually you know write the AIs, place you know create the gameplay in in the world builders and uh, it it was a great experience i love game design and um, uh, it's a real um, uh, it's great for the brain to take on those completely new challenges um, but uh, you say what i what do, don't i like well i didn't like commuting i can tell you that much actually. I mean, commuting around the Bay Area, if you have to drive any distance, is very pleasant. I, that's not very interesting, but it's true. Commuting is right. horrible. Well, yeah. So I don't miss that. <laughs> and and nowadays, you know, like I said, if you, you'd, you'd be doing your work from home like everyone else at this point because of this pandemic. It would, everyone mm-hmm. would have to, uh, to, to do that. And, and as far, was there a genre of games or design that you were more fond of? Uh, well, anything that offered, you know, more original work, you know, we did, uh, I mean, original content, you know, we did uh, some licensed games based on movies or, you know, uh, previous franchises. But uh, and the last and most successful franchise we worked on was an original one called Skylanders. And so for that one, okay. it was yeah. cool because uh, for part of that, I was an enemy designer, so we could make up our our own enemies and what they did, and that was really fun. Uh, uh, I, there was one; I think it ended up being called a tube shark or something, but it was you know it was kind of shaped like a you know a U tube. It was a very strange creature, and doing things like that was really uh, fulfilling. 
So you played role playing, and you obviously grew up with that. And and um, what's you know, and obviously when I same thing, I Dan and I left gaming for a number of years, for decades, <clears throat> at least RPG, you know, tabletop role playing. Um, and only the last two or three years we came back, and first edition was the game we played. Uh, and and part of it was because computer games came, and and it was just always every iteration seemed to get better and better to getting from that thing of playing the game without a dungeon master or game mm-hmm. master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you being in the industry, uh, are you surprised how far or how how not far we've gotten in game design? And what is what to you? What game really epitomizes the future of gaming? Where you know we see D and D without a games master is that ever going to happen in our lifetime Jeez, that's a deep <laughs> um i don't sorry know about um, that yeah i'm just curious because cool that's is, your background yeah what's cool is you know the video games as you say made it possible to play D like experiences without having to have uh, a dungeon master or even other people to play with but i think you know <clears throat> it was it was an exploration that was really successful and fruitful. And ultimately I think it shows that, um, that is wonderful, but also it cannot actually replace people sitting around together, uh, uh, you know, playing live and that that has value that will never be duplicated. It's different. And I think people had to go and explore this whole other universe than to truly realize that, well, that is excellent, but this is also, excellent and cannot be duplicated. Mm. Let's see. I got a couple more in the chat and um, it's getting awful dark here. So that's why I had to put the light on. Uh, are you still working on video games and are you working on any artwork right now? Yeah, no, no video games for a couple of years. I'm, I'm doing artwork though. Oh, I think you mentioned I've done a lot of stuff for Goodwin Games. Right now, they have a uh, Jack Van Stein Earth project. Oh, wow. And I'm doing, yeah, it's really cool. <clears throat> I love him. And so it's really neat to work on a project based on, on, on his uh, his work, his universe. So I'm doing some paintings for them. I did their, uh, it's, it's kind of more than a monster manual, but it's sort of the equivalent monster manual, you know, rule book for that project. Uh, that project, and then some module covers. I'm working on one right now. Yeah, Dungeon Call Classics is pretty pretty cool stuff. Mm. Um, uh, so as a game designer, if you were going to design, now we're in the fifth edition, if there were, you know, I hope there's a sixth edition. I hope there's a tenth edition. You know, my son, my youngest son's eighteen, and he plays first edition with me, but he plays with his friends fifth edition. But there has yeah. to be new editions. What would be D and D sixth edition Earl Otis? Uh, say that again. What would be the what would be the sixth edition if Earl Otis was creating D and D sixth edition as a game designer? What would be the things that you would keep from the old school games, and what would be things that you'd change? You know. Wow, that requires too much thought. Okay, uh, that's for the okay. short term answer. I uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. This uh, see. I, I'm enjoying fifth edition, um, but at the same time, first edition is all I need. Um, 
So I'm, I'm excited if they make new ones, I'll try them out. And, and I'm glad to, that that will keep kind of the economic, you know, reality of producing content and getting more and more people to play going. But I, I haven't really thought about what I would want to change or keep. So you were one of the players that you started with ODNT with, a yes. right? Yes. So were you, so, so the transition to, to first edition, were you not bothered? I'm not suggesting you should have been, but it definitely was a lot more rules. Um, mm. I mean, right, Gary, you lost the DMs tournament because of that rule. <laughs> yeah. Where are you? Right. Where are you? I mean, because so a lot of people that we, we know who started with OD&D, they didn't like first edition very well because they thought it was rules overload. The whole point of all the rules was so it would be a tournament. It would be you, you, you could do exactly what Gary did at that tournament. Uh, but it sounds like it didn't bother you. I mean, you, you started playing first edition and, and you stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, I was just so, so happy to be doing what I was doing that, you know, I had no, everything, you know, I had no complaints about any of it. I mean, but in the end, you know, I loved the the expansion of the monsters and the spells. I thought that was really cool, but that wasn't really, you know, uh, that could be done without adding a bunch of rules, but those, I just thought it was great. Yeah. But like you say, in the end, uh, now the game I run is kind of like a combination of OD, OD and D and, uh, advanced D&D. So I think I did actually, you know, just sort of throw out some rules without even really thinking about it, just playing the game, you know, and realizing, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm, this is OD&D, AD&D, come on. <laughs> well, as a lot of people did, right, at that time. It was, it was I think, yeah, bad. that's one of the neat things is a lot of, you know, uh, every DM, you know, has a little bit of a house rules, and that's another thing that's really cool about individuals playing with real people. I think Ed Greenwood told us that he doesn't even play in an edition. He just plays. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So, um, okay, I, I want to ask you this. This is a, a bit of a digression, which is not a curiosity, because what I read online, so Gary was unhappy with Arduin Grimoire, because he viewed it as a competitor. But you'd done work for you had, you had done the covers, the artwork for it. He even, apparently he was so upset, the DMG has something called the Vacuous Grimoire. Oh, Are you right? right? We, you, yeah, you, right. you open up this book and you have to make a save or you lose what intelligence you must make a saving throw versus magic. The fir- two of them, the first to determine if you lose a point of intelligence, the second, if two points of wisdom, that sounds like someone who's unhappy is, did he know you had done work on it? I have and no he, idea. So it never came. It never came. I was like, Hey, aren't no. you the I'm kid? I'm surprised that Gary would be, a, I mean, such a, you know, a small, <laughs> Operation relative to D D, there was really nothing there to be, you know, yeah. worried about or concerned. I don't know. Okay, okay, I was just curious. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I'm. Yeah. I, yeah, that's an interesting question because I didn't really realize. I mean, you're right about that. I remember hearing about the vacuous grimoire now and everything. But <laughs> you're no like, problems, no issues. Okay. Sorry. Moving on. It's like moving on. Don't, don't let's pay no attention to that. Exactly. Yeah, so. just change the story. <laughs> So, uh, well, we want to be respectful of your time. You've, you've given us a lot of time today. So we want to thank you for your time, Earl. It's been an pl- absolute pleasure. Everyone has been effusive in thanking you for your um, not only contributions then to the gaming world, to fantasy. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard this many times, and, and you kind of answered it. 
you don't know of a when when it hit you that your artwork would be identified with this genre. I mean, it, it it's you know it's iconic. It's you know in the most truest sense. So, but so from 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 our, our fans to yours, well, thank you so much for your time uh, today to give us that. And is there and I time and, to discuss it? Go ahead. And we had, well, we had a question last night on Facebook. Somebody said, "Please be sure to ask if there's somewhere that uh, Mr. Otis's work can be purchased." So, do you the work you do and that you own? Um, do you offer it for sale, like prints of it or anything like that? It, it's my intention to do so. Um, you know, I haven't yet, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer, closer to doing that hopefully next year. Um, yeah, I need to, I need to investigate, uh, well, of course the, the, the originals I've done separate from, from TSR, no problem, but the ones that I've done for TSR are probably the ones that people want to buy the most, you know? So I, <clears throat> I need to try and figure out what the, uh, what the issues are there. With the, Maybe you could just draw it a little different. Just yeah. a little, you know, just foreheads. Them. foreheads. <laughs> Look in the other way. I don't have, you know, I don't have the uh, patience uh, to redo things. I don't. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. You've been there. You've done it. You want to do something new, right? You want to do something some people new. can. Some people. Some yeah. people would do that. Like I have. I'm in awe of of people who make comic books. You know, because they have to draw so many panels that are a lot of times very similar to each other uh, with the same characters and different poses and expressions. But I just, I, I, that's, it's amazing to me that they can do that. And well, why should you, why should you have to redo, you know, the works you should, you should be creating new stuff. I think as a creative, you have to, uh, to, to continue to move forward. And, and I don't think, you know, whether it's, and I don't think you should make a derivative of the basic, Thing. I think you should come up with new works, and um, and there's an audience for that because it's the, the style is what you know. I and and well, you, we didn't ask this specific question, but I'm sure you've seen the artwork has evolved. And being an artist now, would would you? I think I asked this. I forgot if, who did I ask this of, but would you be successful if you had to start at what Wizards of the Coast now with the artwork that you're competing against? Uh, you know, how, how different has the artwork happened? You know, because you see that the, there's a style now and it's very elaborate and hyper-realistic, like you've said. Um, is it easier to be an artist now or, more, or harder to be an artist? Uh, I don't know. Easier or harder, I don't know. Now, is it ever easy? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, you know, again... It, you know, there was this, we've talked to Jim and some of the other people, there was that magic time of the late 70s, the do-it-yourself kind of things that happened. Because once the later 80s, the game was codified, and some of the things, you know, it, was, it may have been a little harder to become iconic because yeah. things changed. So I'm oh, just curious. Oh, oh, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm the right person to answer that, but I, there is, now that everything, or most things that you see you know the covers of major pro major products are all digital there's to me there's a kind of sameness to it uh it's not bad it's it's fucking amazing and uh super skilled but 
it seems like all digital artwork shares a little more than common than all analog artwork, which seems just because the people doing it are using, you know, physical media that it ends up looking one piece ends up looking uh, more different than another. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm in music. I'm not in art, but, you know, the digital music makes it, it's an infinite possibility, but in some ways that that lack of constraint because the media is unlimited makes you you end up with a sameness because there's too much option paralysis. You know, there's just so oh, many choices. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the medium sometimes forces you you know, I'm only going to use eight tracks on this. I'm I'm not going to use all 300 tracks of Pro Tools or whatever we have today because tracks. You know, because I'm going to have this sound that you know is inaudible, but you know these kind of things. Um, so I, I I hear what you're saying, and sometimes the medium uh, because you have that unlimited palace, you get the same. One final question. Um, you know, growing up in the Bay were underground comics like Zap, Underground Press, or San Francisco Comp? comic book company and influence on you? Did you have a lot of local influences when you were growing up? Uh, I remember seeing underground comics, uh, you know, and liking, uh, you know, the violence and sex in them, you know, so much more powerful than, uh, than, uh, I don't know, you know, traditional or, you know, widely accepted commercial comics, but I didn't actually buy a lot of them. I think, I don't know, uh, you know, when I would see them, it would be, I was too young to buy them. And then by the time I was old enough, I guess, to, to buy them, I was playing D and D and I didn't really care about them anymore. I did like, uh, black and white horror comics quite a bit. Mm. Awesome. awesome. Those, were, those were underground comics though. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, anything else before yeah. we let Errol? Well, I just want to mention, too, are, are you familiar with the Errol Otis Shrine? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, yeah Jeff, uh, we worked on a, a couple things together. We, you know, we're in, if, on certain projects. Was it Dwimmermount or? I don't remember. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, so it's basically, it, it, it seeks to collect uh, pictures of all your artwork, and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a resource. So anyone who's a fan of Errol's work, they should definitely check out that website because we'll put that in the link. Yeah, and, it, and there's things that you have seen before. Uh, it, it, it's pretty amazing. So if people want to get to you, we know Facebook. You're, is there any other social media that you use, Errol, at this point? No. You're smart. You're a smart man. Yeah, well, it took right. me a long time to get on Facebook. Like I've only it's only been over, I think, 13, 14 months, something like that. So I really avoided it for a while, and and I'm glad I have stopped avoiding it because it's been really neat hearing from people and things. But uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming as well. Try and keep track of things. So. Oh yeah, we, we we're. We, <laughs> We have we have Twitter and YouTube and these type and they all require if you're gonna we have Discord there's all new platforms and yeah and they require work I mean people right. um, again you were a name that people didn't know I mean I grew up I didn't know you it wasn't like Gary Gaius who again whose face started to appear mm-hmm. um, and so people start 
filling in the blanks of you who you are. And so, mm-hmm. you know, now you have this yeah. direct relationship. It's always a, a thing. So uh, I, we're fortunate that our thoughts of you were dead on. You were just very humble and a wonderful uh, artist. And we thank you for your time today on Grog Talk. So we do have a, a tradition here. I don't know if you have, we, I didn't tell you this yesterday, so I do apologize and it's okay. Uh, do you have a D10 around near you? Yeah, I have a... Uh... I I love it. Like almost all our guests, there's full... like within reach is our polyhedral dice. Yeah. That's right. Okay, <laughs> so we ask. Yeah, a D10. We ask our, our so we we ask our guests to roll a D10. Uh, you know, ten being the a great show. One is well, your your guests suck, and we we made it bad for you. So roll, give us a D10, Earl. We'll kind of rate the show. Yeah, so just, is, a, just a D10. Yes, yeah, just how good a D10. The show is on a one scale to ten. One. The dice don't lie. The dice don't lie. Uh, it's a six. Six. A six. Okay. I would say. Slider. I would say it's. A, but I would say it was more of a seven. You know. Okay. Well, yeah. The dice really told the, the full story because. Uh, well, I don't know. I think. Okay. I don't know. Some of my questions on the. I kind of got confused on the the wells and then the free. You know, gave you. <laughs> no, I, no, I get it really now, good. huh? I said, uh, yeah, it's been really good. I really enjoyed this. This was fun. Well, well, thank you so much. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And, you know, if, if you do make this book, uh, uh, the art book, or any other projects, just shoot us a note. Uh, you've got our email. And if you ever want to come on, I mean, our show, yes, we do interviews, but also it's just Dan and I talking about things. And if you ever want to just Skype on and talk for 10 minutes, you don't, you don't have to be on here for an hour and a half. So, uh, you know, anytime you want to talk about what you're working on, Feel free to give us a call. We really appreciate your time. So what you're saying, James, is if we're doing Grog Talk and on the Grog line, it says Errol Otis, we answer? Yes, we will answer for him. Okay, got it. He does. He does. Okay, appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, uh, so So I'm James. I'm Dan. And so we really appreciate, Earl, for your time today on Grog Talk, and we'll see you next week. This is Big Publishing Company Production. All rights reserved.